0: Anyway. Let me give you the first one. The first one is cost and benefits. Costs and benefits. What is that? What does it mean? The cost of having an effective internal control system as reported in the manual is very high. As compared to the benefits, sometimes the benefits may be good, but depending on the position of the company, it may not have what? Enough money available. Like what I mentioned about the sales cycle, we got six people to undertake the work. But we don't have the money to pay. If there are six people, they all have degree, and we have to pay everybody $2,000, that means we will pay $12,000 every month. How much money are we making as a business? So we would just rather employ two people, pay them $4,000 and we would save ourselves some amount of money. So that is an inherent limitation of the internal controls, where the cost of actually implementing the controls are higher as compared to the substantial benefit that management may see about it. That's the first thing. Second is human error. human error. What do you think human error is about? You see, this internal control system, it is people who does it, isn't it? Even the computer system, who configures it? It's human being. So whatever the human being configures is to be, is the same way that it is going to be. So there is going to be human errors where an individual undertakes an error or does something in error and it goes on and goes on into the system. With that one, the auditor is not likely to figure it out. For instance, we bought an asset and the cost of the asset was $20,000. When we were issuing the check, we issued check and the person in error wrote $200,000. Now, even though $20,000 was taken out of our account, we are recording $200,000. So from the onset, $200,000 will be keyed into the system. And that will start from the day books, go to the ledgers, will go to the travelers, and will end up going into what? The financial system. It's called human error. Sometimes it's difficult to detect some of these things in the internal control. So that is what we call another inherent limitation. Three, my favorite, collusion. You can use 6 million people if they decide to be bad. He can play on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is collusion? Collusion refers to where two or more employees cooperate to two or more employees cooperate to circumvent or get around the internal control system. That's it. So, now there are two things or two reasons why employees may want to collude. The first thing is fraud. Want to steal some money. The second thing is to correct some errors. Now, I'm using the word correct here not as in the sense of correct. but they made an error and they will collude to cover the error so that nobody sees or identifies the error. So, yes, you can have six people in the internal control system. But if they realize that you are not paying them well, they will sit down and say, okay, if that is the case, let's plan. And you know six people there in so they, have, they can do meeting. If you end their employees, they do meeting and they collude. So six people, they will just do meeting, telling, and they will end head. If you receive an invoice, $20,000, Key into the system two thousand dollars, and we will arrange with the customer that he will pay fifteen thousand dollars for twenty thousand dollars worth of goods. Now the difference here is how much, thirteen thousand dollars. So we can share this thirteen thousand dollars among ourselves. That is fraud, and that comes from what collusion. Or other times, employees may make an may make error in transactions, but when they make the error. In, in fear of being identified and fired, they will cover their backs. So, the, someone says, if you tell a lie, you have to tell like five or six other lies to be able to cover that one lie you told. That is the idea about the second aspect of collusion. And so, this collusion makes the internal controls very limited. So, if you come as an auditor, you cannot. auditors cannot easily detect fraud because... The way you detect fraud will depend on the intelligence of the fraudsters. If the fraudsters are very intelligent, like what I just did here, where they have negotiated with the customer, it's a high level thing. So if you ask the customer, the customer will say, eh, I bought 2,000 things. Why? Because they have negotiated with them. Now, if they did it only among themselves, then when you call the customer, the customer will say no. The last time I check, I bought things for 20000 Then you start and say it's a fraud. But if they have copied their bag, it will be difficult for you to identify it. So that is the third limitation inherent to the internal control. Fourth, this one is by the big guys. Management override. Or bypass. Management override or bypass. This refers to where management ignores going through the formal procedure ignores going through the formal procedure in making decisions in making decisions or undertaking an activity in making decisions or undertaking activities so that's management override so for instance if yes we have a sales cycle in place and there are six people there. And if anybody placed an order for credit sales, that order must go to the credit control officer and they have to check the credit score of that customer. They have to check the credit worthiness of that customer. Management bypass or management override is where the creditors will receive a call from management. Hey, um, Erica is placing an order. Whatever order he wants, give it out. Maybe like, ah. but we are supposed to. Ju- hey, give it out. <laughs> so it's called authority from above. That is the idea about management override. So auditors or the organization will not do what they are supposed to, to do because if they do that, it may affect their operations. Now, there, it could be a reason that. The manager will receive some money from the customer. For that reason, if they go through, you can't pay or you may not be able to give you the goods. But forget that and let's go ahead with that. So cost and benefits, human errors, collusion, management override or bypass and then the next one is non-routine transactions. Non-routine transactions. Now when we say non-routine transactions, what comes to your mind? Non-routine. And give me an example after you define it. When there are no laid-down structures for transactions to pass through. Okay. It can take any form at all. Okay. Okay. When there are no laid-down structures. A transaction to pass credit, it can take any form. Okay. How about... No, there will be laid down structures for all transactions. But if you hear the word, what is routine? It, it doesn't... What is routine? What we say routine?
1: Doing one thing every
0: day. Something that you do every day. Yeah. So when we say non-routine transactions, what comes to mind? Transactions that do not follow one procedure every day. Okay, or like one-time transactions. Are you getting it? Like we are a bank. We give loans. But a non-routine transaction could be, maybe we give loans only to customers, but non-routine transaction could be one time we will finance uh, the importation of goods by somebody. It's called non-routine works, transaction. Maybe our objective is to give loans to only uh, customers or traders, but non-routine will be when we give loans to somebody importing goods. It is outside our core works. Operations. Are you getting the idea? Now when that happens, there may not be internal control system to check that particular transaction and that will lead to what? A couple of fraud and errors. That's what we mean by non-routine transactions. So let's put the definition down. These are transactions that are relatively rare. These are transactions that are relatively rare and fall outside and fall outside the day-to-day transactions of the entity that are relatively rare and fall outside the day-to-day transactions of the entity and fall outside the day-to-day transactions of the entity so that is the idea about non-routine transaction so these are some of the inherent limitations that we can talk about as auditors in relation to that now when we come as auditors how do we understand the internal controls we've already spoken about this right doing the aeiou all right we Carry out analytical procedures. We inquire from management. We inspect various documents. We observe processes, and we undertake what recalculation and what re-performance. That's how we have, we do that. But how do we report on internal controls? So reporting on internal controls. Reporting on internal controls. said that when the auditor is carrying out his audit, the auditor must communicate significant deficiencies initially it was weaknesses but now we call it significant deficiencies to management and what? those charged with governance in an appropriate format and also make recommendations, that's very important. So on reporting on internal controls, after we inquire, undertake analytical procedure, observe the process, inspect various documents, we must report to management and those type of governance any significant deficiencies that we observe in the internal controls. But then, the question we ask ourselves is, what are some examples of these significant deficiencies? And how does that help us as, a, as auditors? Give me an example of significant deficiency that you may see in an internal control. Give me an example. <laughs> so let me give you an example, then you give me an example. Like for instance, the, you came to the organization and the internal control suggests that when a customer places order, the order has to be authorized or approved. But as you are testing the internal controls, you dump in, you put in a dummy transaction. And you realize that of the five or six dummy transactions you put in, five of them were not what? Authorized. That means what? That is what? A significant deficiency. So as an auditor, you must report that to the managers. But when you report that to managers, what do you also expect from them after you report to them? What do, you, what, what do you see? They have to correct the system. They will have to correct the system. Must they correct before we do our audit or we must continue our audit? We must continue our audit. We must continue our audit, right? So, for what should be classified as significant, let's look at the things that we can classify as significant deficiencies. So, the standard says that the following. A deficiency may be regarded as significant if For example, so significant deficiencies, if, for example, one, it requires prompt corrective action. If it requires prompt corrective action, that means that is a deficiency, significant deficiency. So, like my scenario, every order should be authorized. Per my procedure, I put in six dummy transactions, five wasn't authorized. Meaning, management must promptly take action to resolve or to correct that system. That's the first thing. Second, it is likely to result in material misstatement. It is likely to result in material misstatement. It is likely to result in material misstatement. That's the second thing. The error, the deficiency, if it is likely to result to material misstatement, then we say it is significant. So, for instance, if orders are not approved or authorized, that means there could be a lot of misstatements in the financial statement. So, in that case, it will be regarded as significant. 3. Assets are susceptible to loss or fraud. Assets are susceptible to loss or fraud. Assets are susceptible to loss or fraud. Now, this has to do with where the deficiency we have identified may result into some fraud or some losses for the organization. If that is the case, then what we have identified is a significant deficiency. And the last one, it raises doubts about management's integrity or competence. It raises doubts about management integrity or competence raises doubts about management integrity or competence what do we mean when we say management integrity what do we mean when we say management integrity um, That Okay? We will be challenged. We will Somebody don't lose you. We will be challenged. Honesty and straightforward. Honesty and being what? Straightforward. So, if there is a significant deficiency we identify, that makes you doubt the honesty of what? or how honest management is, then that is what the significance of uh, deficiency. So, like my example, all orders received should be authorized. Now, what part of the authorization process is that, check the creditworthiness of the customer, check the history of the customer, check the background of the customer. That is the idea. But, we identified that there were a lot of transactions where. Management calls the people who do the authorization and say, Hey, authorize without undertaking all of these things. That means if we are now going to doubt what, they are honest. Meaning they are not truthful. Why is it that those customers were not viewed? Why is it that those customers did not go through the procedure that they are supposed to go through? So meaning management is not being honest. Then also, not only that, if we doubt management what? Competence. What does it mean? Management competency, what, are we, what do we mean by that? If without management competency, what do we mean? Uh, if they are out to tax. They are So maybe from their portfolio, you see CA, CPA, CIMA. You see all the CC, PHD. You see all of these things there. Then, simple transactions the way they recorded the thing and they have approved the thing, then they are asking them both. they are not able to say it. Meaning you are going to be doubting what their competency. Whether they actually got these certificates, they claim what they have as auditors. So that is the idea. <laughs> That's very important. That's the idea about com- competency. Because if someone tells you that his CPA, is CAC, SEMA, or pH or these are the management we have then there is a transaction about IFRS 16 or so that's the accountants the accounting department and managing department or there's a transaction about IAS 12 something fundamental then they do it by they be like Eesh. and it's not that it's just a one-time transaction that is what they've been doing it so really we just conclude and say hmm but that is important and maybe a certificate be cry in the chair. <laughs> so that is the idea about reporting of internal control. Remember, as I mentioned, when I said those types of governance, we mean management at various levels, as well as to the board of directors. So if we find a deficiency in the uh, sales department, it will be good to report it to report part of that thing also to the the head of the sales department. If we have, a, have an issue at the HR department, it will be good to report to the HR department. But remember, as in, uh, we're auditors, we will be reporting primarily sometimes to the audit committee about some of these deficiencies as well as the board of directors and management of the organization. These are what you have to understand when we talk about internal controls. Any quest.